Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Caster. Here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how's it going? How was your weekend? Well, I have some gripes that I want to pick out. I have some people that are not on my nice list right now. First of all, number one, Adam, I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm just fine today. Okay, I'm a, little, I'm a little on edge, a little on edge, but I'm fine. I'm fine. Number one, Matt Lafleur. Good job, good job, not going for on fourth down, you idiot. I know. And managing to completely piss off your franchise quarterback. Guess what, buddy? Without Aaron Rodgers, you're on the street. You don't yeah. have a job. Yeah. And you know what? I wasn't necessarily on the fire Matt LaFleur bandwagon like a lot of other people were. But it just looks like there's so much of a disconnect between Rodgers and LaFleur that it just seems like one of them has to go from Green Bay. And I hate to be that guy, but it just feels like that is just not a connection that's going to work. And it's just another head coach that Aaron Rodgers is going to just go at it with. And I don't, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to leave Green Bay, but I don't think it's like a 50, 50 I don't think it's a lock that he goes back there. If he's upset with his head coach that the Packers organization really likes. I, I I don't know. That just that that screams like a very messy, messy situation that could be uh, could be budding in uh, in Green Bay. Number one, number two, Conor McGregor. What the fuck was that? That was seventy dollars. That was six hours or so of my life that I completely wasted just to see you get your ass kicked. And you then could have you bought a new the, game for that. Then you have the audacity, the audacity to come out and want to challenge Habib. You come out and you want to challenge Poirier for a round three. I, I forgot who said this on Twitter, but they made a very valid point when they said that the overall – mystique and aura that is Conor McGregor is only there based on what he's done in the past. Not so much what he potentially can do. Cause any, does anybody think, and Adam, I don't know if you're a big UFC guy, but I'm not, okay. I know, I know of Conor McGregor. I know okay. how like, you know, celebrated he is and he's one of the best fighters of all time. Okay. So then I will speak into somewhat of a void here. Is there anybody that believes that Conor McGregor is going to go face Habib again if Habib wants to come back? That, that's a big if. Habib put 29-0 on the line, come back and face McGregor for one more big money fight when Habib could just say, why? Why? Why, why should I do that? I could face Gauthier. I could face uh, Dustin Poirier. I could face Tony Ferguson. There, there's just so many other guys that I can just go and face. I don't need to face Connor for the second time. I beat him the first time. Don't need to do that again. And Connor just, Connor McGregor just thinks, oh, you know, I'm Connor McGregor. I have this aura and brand that 
I'm un- untouchable in the UFC. And that's that's probably true. That 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 is probably true. But I think he's got to realize he got his ass kicked, and the whole McGregor brand and the the Irish takeover, so to speak, that's been hyped up and talked about so many times when it comes to Conor McGregor, uh, is is probably I don't want to say dead, but it's it took a big hit. It, it took a it took a really really big hit. I'll say this from an outsider's perspective. Sure. All of like Conor McGregor shenanigans with like retiring and unretiring and especially and like hearing about what happened in this fight, it has very much it very much has a Jordan on the Wizards vibe vibes to me. It feels it does feel like that. It feels like Jordan on the Wizards. The one thing I saw on Twitter, and I don't think if I made that if I made the point as to what it was, maybe it was an incomplete point. I I I really don't remember. Was that McGregor is kind of the same thing as Mike Tyson. How people remember Mike Tyson for the things that he did 20, 30 years ago, but now is coming back looking for, you know, a paycheck and things like that. What does Conor McGregor have to prove to anybody? Nothing. Nothing really. He can re- retire comfortably without any more risk to head injury. I mean, right. Right. So, so really, you know, if from a UFC fan perspective and, who is probably lined up for McGregor next? Would they do Poirier again? I doubt it. For his next fight, the first fight of 2021, he'll probably fight two or three times. In 2021, I would lean probably two. But is it, are we talking McGregor versus Diaz again? Uh, yay. McGregor versus Ferguson? Eh, okay. You know, it's just there's just nobody that really excites me for Connor to go up and face. That's not Habib, but the problem is Habib is just not going to fight Connor. There, there's just there's Again. no way he does it. Well, I mean, they have. It seems like they have kind of blood feud or something going on from the last time that they fought. Oh, they do, but but. Habib is he doesn't have to prove anything. No. Well, neither does Connor, honestly. No, no. Well, Connor does. Connor wants to prove that he could beat Habib. But he can't he he can't beat Dustin Poirier. And and fair play to to, to Poirier, because he's a really good fighter. He's a really, really, really good fighter. And that was that was more of the um UFC diehards versus the UFC not diehards. The UFC diehards loved it because all of the non-diehards were like, "Oh, this sucks!" Blah 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 blah. You know, it, it, the the UFC truthers were just like, "Oh yes, thank you God, we have our uh, our our sanctuary back." Because they hate it. They hate it when Conor McGregor fights. Because I know all the non-big time UFC people are tuning in just to watch Connor, and that's that. Oh, they're all gatekeepers. It's like, oh well, you know, I like UFC. Before. Name five US UFC fighters besides Conor McGregor, and it's like, oh shit, and it's like right. that's not a it's not a good enough test. It's not you should have to test people. I mean, that's a whole different discussion. That would be very that would be very interesting if you would just go around and ask and ask people, hey, can you name? five other UFC fighters that are not Conor McGregor. 
I definitely can. I can. I think I can. Uh, Nate Diaz won. If we want to put, are we doing current or are we doing uh, retired? Because Daniel Cormier technically is contracted to UFC. Oh, actually, in that case, maybe I can name five. Nate Diaz, Daniel Cormier, uh, John Bones Jones, uh, Habib, and yeah. ju- and Justin Gatche. Okay, so I can name five. But anything after five, I can't. Okay. Do you want me to name five right now? Go ahead. I want to hear them. Okay. So Cormier, yep. John Jones, okay. Khabib, uh, Poirier, and Nate Diaz. Okay. But they're not McGregor. After, yeah, they're not McGregor. And then, I guess you want to put you want to put Tony Ferguson in there. You can put Tony Ferguson in there. Uh, Amanda Nunez, put her in there too. Um, uh, Holly Holm, obviously. Yes. I'm just rat- I'm just rattling off whatever Ronda Rousey head right now. Well, Ronda's not there anymore. Ronda's in. Uh, That's right. Ronda's trying to have a kid. Good for her. We we don't like Ronda. I'm not, I'm not I'm not a Ronda fan. Listen, don't turn this into a UFC podcast. I, I am wholly unprepared for this. Don't like Ronda. Wholly unprepared. Go start. I don't know. Any of you? Any of the other uh, Basement Talk podcast crew? Are they into UFC like you are? The Basement Talk Steel Cage Showdown. Can you imagine? No, that would be terrible. You just have like. Like Jake and your and Matt like fight in a cage match or something. I would fight both of them in a cage match. Yep, I'd officiate or announce or either that or I'd be the announcer. No, I would I would want you as the official. So that way, if I were to grab a steel chair and take a steel chair shot, I can hit you instead and just oh go. Oops, God. that's ridiculous. Full heel turn. <laughs> Full heel turn. Em- embrace I, it. I turn into a hockey ref. I'd be like, five minute major in a game misconduct. <laughs> For fighting. You turn into West Macaulay. Oh my God. I, if I was ever a referee, I would model everything I do off of West Macaulay. Um, I think every referee should need to attend West Macaulay refereeing school. Yep. Anyway. Speaking so- of refs, did you enjoy the games yesterday, Adam? Uh... I enjoyed one of them. I enjoyed both of them. They were great games, and the right team won. Uh, I mean, the right teams in the sense that the the game wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, the outcome wasn't changed by officiating. But I think the uh. fact that it wasn't. But the fact that the Packers couldn't capitalize on Tom Brady's interceptions was the real reason that they lost. And uh, and the defense was really the reason that the, that the Buccaneers won at this point. You done now? Yeah. Doesn't okay. Really sound like, I'm not really mad. I'm a little mad. No, you, you okay. Okay. None of this would have mattered if Matt LaFleur just went for it on fourth and goal. Also that. That's the whole other side to this argument. Is and also, also, I mean, if uh, EQ St. Brown didn't drop that two-point conversion. Well, 
I, I wouldn't necessarily blame Equinemius on that one because it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. It changed the rotation of the ball. And look, it should have been caught. Yes, but there is a, a way for me to see how potentially he could have gotten a bit flustered with catching that ball. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying that the fact that that wasn't successful kind of bit them at the end of the game. Oh, it should have been caught. No, it, it, it definitely should have been caught. No, yeah. no questions asked. But I'm, yeah, I mean, it's almost like you need a team around you to actually do well in the playoffs. What a concept. And it's not just the quarterback. Who would have thought? Yeah, and it, but that's that's the thing, is that who put in the more complete performance in that NFC Championship game? It was the Buccaneers. Yeah. The Buccaneers' defense completely outplayed the Packers' defense. The Packers' defense could not get off the field on third down. It was absolutely abysmal. Yeah, I mean, this defense was the Packers' defense was supposed to be different this year. It's supposed to be good, but it's just it's it's crazy. They've had their moments where they've looked good, and then they've had their moments where they looked like they did on Sunday, where they couldn't get off the field on third down. There were too many silly mistakes that occurred. They got some lucky bounces that went that definitely went their way. But at the end of the day, they they just couldn't do enough to uh, talk about mistakes. I mean, the Scotty Miller touchdown. Oh, that that changes the whole the whole the, the whole complexion of the game. Like, how do you let Scotty Miller blow right by you? And it's one on one. Like, if you're gonna play that press coverage, like Green Bay did. Give him some safety help. Don't just leave him on an island where you have him just pressed up at the line of scrimmage so that way Scotty Miller can just blow right by and bam, touchdown with no safety help over the top. That was just stupid. As a Jets fan, I know that Mike Pettin likes to fall flat in championship games. I'm I'm pretty aware. Well, he, he fell very flat. I mean, that I mean, was just... yeah. Oof, God, that was I mean, then the whole Matt LaFleur situation. That that in and of itself is is terrible. But uh, we actually had a, a conversation yesterday about the the officiating and whether it was a good game by the refs or a poor one. I will say this. I would rather the referees keep the flags in their pockets than throw them. 99.9% of the time. However, in this instance, the referees were 100% correct to throw that flag. They were right. That was a, I don't know if it was a pass interference par se. If they had called that a hold, then I would have said, okay. Isn't we? Isn't one of those things where you can't call a hold and when the quarterback's thrown the ball? I guess so. I think that, that, that somebody said that that has to be the only thing that I could think of is that you couldn't call a hold in that in that spot and had to be DPI. Um, but I mean, it I still would have been a first down, right? But yeah, if it was a hold, it would have been a five yard penalty automatic first, and that would yeah. that would have been that. Um, but but I will say, I don't care. Obviously. I don't care. Obviously. The Green Bay Packers have been the benefits of horrific calls made 
at Lambeau before and they get one that doesn't go their way and all of a sudden I see what this is hate us grow up I see what this is grow up I know what this is fuck the Packers I know exactly what this is would you like to share yes I think you're projecting your anger about the Des Bryant situation Mm -hmm. and using it to make fun of the Packers. Yep. It's exactly what I'm doing. Yep. It's pretty poetic, isn't it? Everything always comes full circle. Everything. Although it is kind of ironic that you're going to bat for a Tom Brady led team and Mm -hmm. say, Oh yeah. Cause Tom Brady's the greatest when it comes to officiating. Oh, Tom Brady's the greatest. No, 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 no doubt about it. And we ha- I had this conversation actually uh, during the games too, and this is like the last thing that we'll talk about before we actually get into the main uh, crux of the show since we're already probably 17 minutes or so in at this point. There was a case that was made, and I actually am going to buy it, and I will say yes, that this is correct. If Tom Brady manages to beat Patrick Mahomes in this Super Bowl, Tom Brady is the greatest athlete not just NFL football player, but the greatest athlete of all time. I buy really? it. Yep, I buy it. Uh, maybe. Just because, and the, the, the rationale of it makes sense. Because here's a guy that's 43 years old, and we're looking at other upper 30, low 40 quarterbacks this year and how they looked. Phillip Rivers looked like a dinosaur. Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards. Ben Roethlisberger, when the calendar hit November, turned into a shell of himself. Tom Brady is the oldest out of all those guys. And he's about to play in in another Super Bowl. The graphic that they had on the screen on Sunday where Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers put together have six championships won. Tom Brady has six by himself. And people consider Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers to be three of the greatest quarterbacks that have ever played the game for the most iconic franchise potentially in the game, the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. I mean, it's really hard to stack, you know, the, the greatest athlete comparison when you're putting, you know, Brady versus Michael Jordan versus someone like Babe Ruth or Tiger Woods or Wayne Gretzky, you know. Serena consider- Williams. Serena Williams, Billie Jean King, whoever you want to say is the GOAT for, for, for tennis, uh, Federer, Nadal. But really, you, you put it all together and say he's 43 years old and he's going to another, another Super Bowl. I mean, Adam, as someone that hates Tom Brady with every fiber of his being. I do. You have to give him credit for that. I do. I do. I think it's pretty, pretty incredible yeah. that he's able to do that. That's probably the, the, the smartest thing you've ever said. And it's kind of like most rational. It's kind of like, I want to say it's inhuman that he's able to do this at 43 years old. But I mean, that's what happens when you have a good team around you. The, the Buccaneers built around him. And that's what uh, Belichick failed to do in his last two years. That's why Tom Brady looked like a fucking fossil in his last two, in his last couple of years in new England, or at least his last year in new England. 
he looked like a fossil. And now he has good receivers, a really, really good defense that doesn't rely on playing a cupcake schedule to be compared to the 85 Bears. An actually good defense. Um, he's kind of he's been buoyed, and it's kind of hidden hidden his shortcomings at 43 years old. Adam, I I have no problem with what you just said because it's correct. There's a way to build a team around a 43 year old quarterback. It's to surround him with a guy that's put up a thousand yards every single year of his career, a guy who is a budding star in this league a guy who we all know what he's been capable of doing Antonio Brown but you know we don't know what his uh situation is you know, but then yeah but then you have a great defense as well where Brady can get away with throwing three picks in a game and they still win it yes do we Adam do, would you see if Tom Brady threw three picks in I don't know any any particular game you could think of when he was in New England. If he threw three picks in maybe the latter years, because that defense wasn't as great as like the prime Patriots defense was, but the later years of the the Patriots dynasty with that defense that was there, could Brady throw three interceptions and get away with get away with it and still win the game even though he threw three picks? Probably not, right? No, not really. Right. I can't I can't see that. I just want to live in the alternate timeline where the Rams, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Seahawks are all competent organizations with competent coaching staffs, and Tom Brady only has two or three Super Bowl rings. Well, if you think about it, he's got six. If Pete Carroll runs the ball, that's five. If the Rams, if the Rams don't have Jared Goff and they have anybody else, he's got four. Well, that, that I can't, they can't change that, that. All right. If Philly, Philly doesn't happen, he's got four. Okay. Or yeah. No, because of Philly, Philly, he has four. Yes. So they, they, if they don't run Philly, Philly, he still has his Super Bowl ring. So there's a lot of like there's a lot of like big things that happen during all those Super Bowls where it's like, damn, if that thing doesn't go a certain way, you know, like you said, Tom Brady can only have three or four Super Bowls. Well, he could also have like nine, but he if... could also have nine. Right. So that's when the if they don't run Philly Philly, if Tyree doesn't have the bubblegum stuck to his helmet, if Manningham doesn't have the catch along the sideline, he could have nine Super Bowls. Ugh. Oh, he could have God. Tom Brady could have nine fucking Super Bowls. Oh, I'm going to vomit. Also, if I mean, if the Panthers didn't kick the ball out of bounds on that yep. kickoff, mm-hmm. then he probably wouldn't. To, and if Donovan McNabb hadn't choked in Bro. puked, I guess would be better. Could you imagine if Tom Brady was this year was going for his 10th Super Bowl? I would be visibly sick. I would be above and beyond. He is such a king. Visibly sick. I, you know, I was not the biggest. I take that back. I was a Brady fan. But I always, it, it, it's fun to hate on the guy who we all know is the best. 
That's like the classic Patrick Mahomes argument. Oh, why don't you like Patrick Mahomes? Oh, because he he sucks. Well, we all know he doesn't suck. But Patrick Patrick Mahomes is great. But fuck Patrick Mahomes. It's like the same thing with Tom Brady. Well, I don't like it because he played he played for a rival, and yes, I, I love Patrick Mahomes, and I hope that Patrick Mahomes surpasses Tom Brady so we can stop talking about him. Absolutely not. Fuck Patrick Mahomes. Now that that's a guy for me. That's like your your Tom Brady. That's that's my version of what Tom Brady is to you, Patrick Mahomes. Really, you don't like Patrick Mahomes Mm-mm. that much? No. He's so great. He's so happy all the time. I think he's arrogant. He's yep. not arrogant. Yep. Come at me, football fans. I'm ready. He just loves life. He's pompous. He's great. He's great. You could say Tom Brady loves life too when he's walking on the tarmac with Gronk and they're doing their. I was actually. So when I was at work yesterday, they. Um, the show host for the overnight wanted, she was like, oh, uh, can we get that video? Not knowing what it was. She's like, can you get that video of Tom Brady and Gronk? And we're just like, it's just music. <laughs> the, of them remaking the video from 2019. The one that she had no clue what it was. Yep. She was like, oh, you see the, uh, thing, but anyway, she had no um, clue what it was. I did. I watched it for a bit. I did a freeze frame. I, I paused. The frame that it froze on was actually amazing. Tom Brady made the biggest douchebag face I've ever seen in my entire life. Jesus. <laughs> it was he. Anyway, um, yeah. God, I, how the hell did we get down this avenue? Uh, we talked about Super Bowls, greatness. How much you hate Patrick Mahomes for some re- weird reason. Yeah, but I feel like we went down this avenue somewhere. Oh, we were talking about the things that pissed me off the most this weekend. Yes. And we, st- we started off with uh, the with Matt LaFleur and Conor McGregor. Yes. Ah, okay. That makes sense. All right. But anyway, should be a fun Super Bowl. Go Bucks! What a joke that would be if the Bucks, the first team to get a home Super Bowl and they lose. No excuses. No excuses. Skull box, baby. Go Chiefs, go. Ugh. God. Chiefs are going to win five straight Super Bowls. Goodbye. Next. Do you not like uh, Patrick Mahomes because he's the, the brick wall standing in the way of Josh Allen getting to a Super Bowl? I mean, now when you put it that way, I hate him even more. But thanks. You're welcome. No, I just I, he just rubs me the wrong way. Okay. He rubs me the wrong way. What people, what some people see as happiness and uh, you know him high on life, having a grand old time, I look at his arrogance and and cockiness. Quite frankly, I mean, he 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 has every right to be cocky. Frankly. So does Tom Brady, but Tom Brady doesn't do it. Well, not not on camera. Tom Brady just lives for the memes. Tom anyway. Brady just lives for the memes. He knows that he had a prime opportunity to remake said video from 2019, and he fucking embraced it. 
That is a king. He is for the memes. He loves the internet. Love you, Tom. Great guy. You know what's weird? He's only the crazy stat. Before you go into your one quick question, he's only seven years younger than Patrick Mahomes the first. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Great pitcher that Patrick Mahomes the first, especially for the Mets. Uh, My one quick question. If Tom Brady ever came on this program, would you be here for it? (laughs) No, 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 no. Are you insane? No. Are you insane? If Eli Manning came on this program, I would be here. Because, man, would I have some things to say to him. I mean, it would be a great get for us, let me tell you. you. Low budget podcast. We are just, we're shooting up in the world. We got Tom Brady. That would be that would be quite the get. Um, but maybe I guess I would be there. Listen, I just don't think you guess. I don't know. It'd be annoying. I don't know. I'd turn my video off because I'd just be like seething at every single answer that he gives. You're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. If Joe Theisman wanted to come on the podcast, come on on. If I think if Carson Wentz wanted to come on, welcome. I'll be nice. I think it would be different. I think it's just because I don't just really don't like Tom. Even if Dan Marino came on the podcast, I'd be fine with that. If Patrick Mahomes came on the podcast, I would be okay with it because okay. I would have some questions for him. It's not that I wouldn't be okay. Like I would have some passive aggressive questions for Patrick Mahomes. He'd never want to go on another podcast again after you. <laughs> I would, I would kill it. I would kill the podcast vibe for, uh, for Patrick Mahomes. Is that actually your one quick question or is it? No, that's not, my, that's not actually my one quick question. Let's make that very abundantly clear. Like are you going to burn it on that? No, no, not quite. Not quite. Um, so the one quick question that I have is who is the wide receiver most likely to bust next year and who is the wide receiver that is most likely to break out it's a two-part question always with the negativity well you started with it the wide receiver most likely to bust to bust and then to break out is the question that i am asking what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the bust part or do you want to start with the breakout part? Um, hmm. I think let's start with the breakout part. Start with the breakout. Okay. All right. You want me, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Can you please go first? Sure. Uh, CD lamb. He is someone that, I absolutely love next year when you have a full offense back ready to go. Dak Prescott back under center, hopefully pending, you know, that that he signs a new contract and the Joneses decide to pony up. But you could tell me that CeeDee Lamb's going to be in that offense as the slot guy with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. And that's just an unbelievable offense that to be a part of. And we saw how CD was earlier in the year. And as the year progressed, he, he was a very 
hot and cold, not really consistent option, but he had some big games, CD. And I think he's going to come in as the Cowboys' number two receiver next year. And I really think that if you're telling me that CD, who is being ranked right now as ECR, is the wide receiver 29, I have him just above that. But I'm very tempted to put CD as a member of my top 24 wide receivers. That's just how highly I view him. And I would be taking CD as high as round six, round seven. You know, actually, I'm going to pick the receiver that's right after him in these ECR rankings for my breakout. And that is Brandon Ayuk. Oh, I like that one a lot. And this is actually, I don't want to say it's contingent on Matt Stafford getting traded to the 49ers, which is hev- being heavily rumored. But I think it def- it would definitely help his case if Matt Stafford was traded to the 49ers. It would help Brandon Ayuk's case, I mean. Because you have somebody like Matt Stafford throwing you the ball on a week-to-week basis, somebody who throws the ball as much as Matt Stafford does, and you're a number one receiver, that will that will do wonders for you. I think Kyle Shanahan will have to refinagle his whole offense where it's going to be a pass-first offense if he has uh, Matt Stafford as opposed to the uh, run-first scheme that he uh, had uh, before with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo because – I think that it's really going to benefit and play to Matt Stafford's strengths. And by extension, it's going to mean more targets for uh, Brandon Ayuk, more targets for Debo Samuel as well. So I think uh, Brandon Ayuk has shown a lot of potential in 2020, and he can definitely build on that in 2021. See, now I even like Brandon Ayuk. If you could tell me that it's going to be the combination of Garoppolo, uh, CJ Beathard, and Nick Mullins. I, I really like Ayuk, and I think where he's going is it, he's a fantastic, fantastic value. And, you know, we'll talk about the receivers a little bit more after we get the one quick question done. And, you know, receiver is such an intriguing, intriguing position for, for 2021 because I think there's a lot of really good, really, really good options at receiver. Um all right, so I guess now is the uh, the bus. So, Adam, are we going to define a bust as someone that we view as a top 24 guy that doesn't pan out? Yeah, I'd say that. Okay. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first for this one? Um, I think that I'll go first. Go ahead. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Ooh. Ooh, okay, let me ask this question. Let me ask yes. this question first. Where is Juju? Where do you think he's going to go? Is he probably, back in Pittsburgh? Probably not. Doesn't seem that way. Okay. And I don't know where he signs. That's the that's the thing. That's that is what makes this kind of hard. Because. If like Allen Robinson has, it's a lot different for having uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky throw Allen Robinson passes as opposed to e- the combination of either Sam Darnold, Justin Fields, or Zach Wilson if he goes to the Jets, hopefully. Or And same thing with Kenny Galladay, but yes, same thing with Kenny Galladay. But I think that, yeah, Juju just ha- hasn't really shown you. Didn't He had such a down season. He's had two down seasons in a row. I mean, 
we've we were thinking that he was going to be a bounce back candidate, but he just wasn't flat out was not in 2020. And maybe this is just what Juju Smith-Schuster is, and that his uh, 2018 season was kind of an aberration. You know, I, I don't really mind the Juju pick as uh, as a bust. Um, I mean, my whole thing is, you know, at, le- at least for me, I don't know where he is on, uh, on Fantasy Pros or any of the other sites that uh, people could be using. Um, I don't have Juju inside my top 35. Juju is 23 in Fantasy Pros. 23? Yep. Really? Interesting. So I am either I am either really, really low on him or I am just seriously, seriously wrong from where the ECR will have him. Um, so if we're talking about potential bus for next year, um, you know, the, the, the cop out answer here is Julio Jones just because of health that for me is one that I don't love. Um, in terms of a bust, I'm going to go for, you know, uh, yeah, I'll go for Chris Godwin. Um, I don't think that this is a guy that was really talked about enough this year, quite frankly, as a bust in 12 games. Had 65 catches, 840 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, it's a great output, but it's only 12 games. Um, you know, I, we don't know what this Tampa Bay offense is going to look like next year. Again, there is Tom Brady. We talked about Brady before. Um, you know, we don't know what another year of Tom Brady is going to necessarily look like. But if you have Evans there, you're going to have Godwin there. A B maybe will be if there. It is another year. If it is another year of Tom Brady. If there is another year of Tom Brady, Tom Brady could just say he could just win a Super Bowl and just say, you know what, I'm done. Guy's gonna be 44 years old. Win a Super Bowl, he could just go, bye-bye. That's it. And Brady and Breeze can go off into the sunset together. And the Bucs win a Super Bowl with, with Tom Brady for one year. And then that's that. And then um, they suck again. Yep, true. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one for me that is it's tough because there's really not a lot of guys up top that I would necessarily say that, you know, they're, that they are bust. I'm just going off of my list that I have in front of me. Um, Devontae Adams, there's some bust potential there. Some. Michael Thomas, bust potential for sure. Stephon Diggs, bust potential for sure, for sure. Um, DK, not really. Ridley, not really. Julio, yes. Uh Kenny Galladay, yes. Chris Godwin, yes. Terry McLaurin, yes. Amari Cooper, yes. Evans is a, is an interesting one just because he may not have the yards, but the touchdowns if Brady's there. And I guess, you know, really it's tough to say with the with the Bucks guys. If you know Brady's going to be there, then uh, it's hard to say that Mike Evans would be, you know, a bust just because of how Mike Evans was used this year. Um Cooper Cup bus potential for, for for sure. Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett. Uh, but I'm gonna go with I'm going with um with my guy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chris Godwin as my uh 
as my Boston. I don't love it. I don't love it, but I have Chris Godwin outside my top 15 for, uh, for receivers. And I could move him outside my top 20 if I really wanted to. It's interesting that you bring up Cooper Cup because I think the Rams guys, actually, there is a lot of volatility there, especially if something happens at quarterback with with the Rams. Um, See, here's what I think about the Rams situation is that I don't think, as much as I would love to see it because fuck Jared Goff, I don't think Jared Goff is going to be out in L.A. Just because I think the Rams understand they have so much put into one guy. And what's their plan? What What is the plan for the Los Angeles Rams right now? Are they just going to go and say, you know what? We're going to go and try and draft the quarterback and see if he turns into a better version of Jared Goff this year? No. No, they're not going to do that. So – I think I think the Rams are going to be are going to be good with where they are. They're going to stick with what they got, and that's that. Yeah, I mean, they do have too much. They they have too little cap space to just go and undertake a rebuild at this point. This is a win now kind of team. Oh, I completely agree. I completely one thousand percent agree that this is this is a win now team that. If they feel like they're going to go far with Jared Goff, they need to fully commit to that. If they don't not, feel like they're going to go far with Jared Goff, then they need to blow the whole thing up and you know figure it out and see what they can do with who they got. But maybe they can't. Maybe they go out and they try and trade for Matt Stafford. I was about who, to say that. If they, who if, the hell knows? If they really don't like Jared Goff, then go and get a proven uh, quarterback option. To replace him. Don't don't draft somebody. Yeah, I completely agree. Go get Matt Stafford. Go get even Sam. Maybe. I don't know. He's not proven per se, but oh. go get go get an stat an actual NFL quarterback. Yeah, that you actually know. That you actually know about somebody that you know about. Not don't just you know try your luck with the draft. Yes, yes, I agree with you. I think that's the best way to, to, to do it if you're if you're the Rams, because I don't think the Rams, you know, they want to have appeal because they don't want to have when 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 fans are allowed back into stadiums, they don't want to have a shit product. They want to be able to have SoFi be able to have fans. Yeah. And you know, are people gonna be attracted to the Rams in LA if they're shit? Probably not. It would be pretty poetic justice for Stan Kroenke where he. <sighs> fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. And Dean Spanos really also because you have. Dean Spanos isn't a bad guy. You have your, your giant billion mega billion dollar stadium and it's going to sit almost empty because nobody in LA cares about football. That's outside of USC. True. True. Or the Raiders who don't even play there. The autumn wind is a pirate. Exactly. So as usual, we, with these positional uh, episodes, we talk about where the position is going. And this is probably one of the easiest ones because position has been on a trajectory for the past couple of years now. And really it's very self-explanatory where it's usage. 
It's all about usage. Usage and depth are the two key words for wide receivers. You know, Adam, you should write a you should write a book on that. The two the two key phrases for wide receivers: usage and depth. Yeah, that, that might be a bestseller. Yeah, it might be a bestseller. <laughs> In Captain Obvious bookstore. <laughs> oh God. I mean that that can apply for any position, really. But I think for receivers, especially since PPR is becoming the standard in fantasy football, and it should be the standard. Coming, it is the standard in fantasy football. I was I was going to say, what what real hardcore fantasy players are are playing standard scoring? Well, you mean non PPR scoring? Because we've established that PPR is the standard. Oh, oh yes, I apologize. Non-PPR. Non-PPR scoring. Yeah. We shouldn't even consider it at this point. Because PPR is the way to go. That's true. Fair point. And frankly, when you have receivers who are bona fide number ones who get the usage, like Devontae Adams, like DeAndre Hopkins, like Stefan Diggs, even though DK Metcalf isn't a bona fide number one, he still gets the usage. Like Allen Robinson, depending on which, what team that he goes to, like Julio Jones. And even if the uh, Titans let Corey Davis walk, then AJ Brown will be the, the bona fide number one in Tennessee. I hope they do. So it's all about the usage and getting as many targets as possible where you can get as many receptions as possible because all those points add up certainly. And if you get a couple of touchdowns on top of that, then that's just gravy. That is what they call gravy, Adam. Yeah. And then for depth, I mean, the wide receiver position from the top 25 on fantasy pros, at least I'd say the top 15, I'd say the top 20 really are all pr- are all really pretty solid options. Yeah, I mean if you're talking, you know, again, I think we've used this as the gold standard about five five times now, but you know, Cooper Cup as the wide receiver 20 is really great in in fantasy pro standards if we look at if I look at my ranks, isn't that the only ranks that I have up? I, I have up right now. I don't know uh, what the fantasy pros ranks are, but if we're going to the thirtieth receiver that I have ranked here, it's DJ Shark. I mean, that's terrific as a guy that has massive upside, a guy that is going to be in an offense that is going to have a lot of fantasy intrigue with Trevor Lawrence going in there and potentially being this new superstar quarterback that everyone is going to want a la Joe Burrow from last year, a la Lamar Jackson, a la um, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Trevor Lawrence has that appeal as that next guy that can be this fantasy star. And, you know, DJ Chark, as of now, he charts to be the number one receiver for Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, you're getting that guy at 30th for me and if we're looking at other guys that are in that are in that range t higgins in that range uh debo samuel 
in that range, even though I'm not really a huge fan of Debo Samuel. I still charted him uh, pretty well. Cortland Sutton in that range. I think that Cortland Sutton is an outstanding, outstanding target for this area of receiver where you're probably taking these guys no sooner than the fifth round. So you're telling me you can get a Cortland Sutton round five, round six, maybe even later than that in, in redraft. That's terrific. I think the common theme that we're seeing Adam with these receivers is that wide receiver again is going to be so ridiculously deep that when we chart this out and we're looking at the overall ranks for everybody put together, and I've done I've done a a scratch version of it. It's not like a final one or or anything like that. But when I, we get to around the, I will say around the fifty range. So we'll say around round five. We're looking at guys like Juju, Tyler Lockett. Kareem Hunt, Odell, D, that DJ Chark again going in, in around round six, Boyd, Lamb, who we talked about before, Brandon Ayuk, Adam, your guy we talked about before, going right. around round six, round seven even. So what really we're getting from this, at least in my opinion, what I'm seeing is it makes so much sense, especially if you're in a 10 or a 12-team league, 14 and deeper, it'll be much more difficult to do this, obviously, because the uh, the deeper, um, the shallower draft pool, excuse me, is that it, it is just making more sense to me. And Adam, you could tell me if I'm off base with this or if you disagree. I where, usually do. <laughs> true, you usually do do that. Is I think the way that I want to approach my drafts for this year is ideally I want a mid-to-back pick in the first round. While I would obviously love McCaffrey at number one, that'd be great. I want a mid-to-back where I could double-dip on getting two running backs with my first, second-round pick and then just going blitzing the, the wide receivers, just blitzing the hell out of them. It's almost like you you dug into my subconscious and you took the exact words and thoughts that I was thinking to say after you talked and and vocalized them. Adam, we are more connected than you think. We are more connected than you think. Cause I was about I was gonna say it's true. The paradigm for fantasy in 2021 is you go running back first with your first two picks, and you can afford to wait for a receiver. The paradigm. It's a funny word. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's a funny word. Yep. Paradigm. And we are telepathically connected. That's right. I think we've been working with each other too long. I think that's actually probably true. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've been working with each other too long. I, yeah. I hate you. <laughs> hate you too. Ah, God. I mean, okay. Let's game face, game face, game face, game face. I mean, what, Adam? Okay. I I have a question for you, and and 
So let's say you you're you're in a draft, right? Okay. And you see you're in the back. You're sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. But you realize that everybody is going running back. That a lot of the receivers are not flying off the board because everybody wants a running back to start their team off. And let's say you're in a 10 team league and you're setting a 10 overall or nine overall and whatever. And you're staring at the possibility of, let's just say to make this example more adequate. Uh, all right. So if you're sitting nine, all right. So in, in this example that I'm, I'm, I'm hypothetically coming up with is all the running backs are gone. That will be in that range minus Devontae Adams. So Adams is gone as well. So we're saying McCaffrey's gone, Barkley's gone, Kamara's gone, Cook's gone, that's four. Devontae's gone, Henry's gone, Elliott is gone, that's seven. Austin Eckler is gone. Okay. Nick Chubb is gone, nine. So you're left with Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Travis Kelsey, Jonathan Taylor, Stephon Diggs, which way are you going? Are you taking one of those big name receivers? Are you going to take Travis Kelsey? Are you taking Jonathan Taylor and pairing him up with a DeAndre Swift or a Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs type? I think I'm going to go with the latter, the latter ladder, which is I would take Jonathan Taylor and pair him with either DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, or Josh Jacobs on the swing. Really? Yep. Please explain yourself. Sure, I will. I think that if I don't, then I don't know. You know what? I think I'm, I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to. I'm still going to pick Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to go and pick uh, one of like one of like the top receivers also. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say is I would be single dipping in each spot. So I'd be taking a running back. I would be taking a receiver. Cause you could tell me a 10 overall, I can get Jonathan Taylor and Tyreek Hill. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. You should be thrilled with that. Yes. I think I was thinking going to running backs. So I was like, well, you know, it's not as deep the running back position, but I mean, if I, if I can wait and get somebody like Cam Akers, Chris Carson, James Robinson, Kareem Hunt, then I would be kind of okay with it to pair with as a, as a running back too, for me, mm-hmm. Since you already have Jonathan Taylor. You can pair him with Cam Akers. You can pair him with James Robinson. You can pair him with Chris Carson. You can pair him with David Montgomery, JK Dobbins, Antonio Gibson. So that's fine. But yeah, I think really in these drafts, you should prioritize running back above, above anything. Because after that, after 20, actually, well, like I said, last episode, after 22, it just doesn't look great. A lot of question marks. No, it definitely thins out quick, but I think it really also depends on what you charted out. And it depends on your ranks and it depends on, you know, what guys you like and where your values are um, going to be, are going to come from in, in, in drafts. Like if you, if you are a guy or a gal that believes in someone like Antonio Gibson, for example, 
who in my ranks I have as the RB15 going at pick number 32. So you're probably you're saying he's going to be there at the 3-4 turn. Or uh, yes, 3-4 turn. If you want to bet on Antonio Gibson being there and you take Antonio Gibson and you say that you have Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, Tyreek Hill, and name a receiver that's in this range, someone like a uh, Amari Cooper, who I have as my wide receiver 15, and he's going at number 34 for me in, in my ranks. That's totally fine. Or even Justin Jefferson, who's a fan, fantasy pros uh, 15. 15? Yeah, crazy, right? You'll see why I'm making I'm making a face and scoffing at that uh, in a minute. Uh, but even like a Robert Woods, it's another one. You know, you, Mike you, Evans is around here too. Mike Evans, yep, I have him. I have him in this general area as well. Um, I don't know what Fantasy Pros has it at, but I have uh, DJ Moore in this range. I also have Cam Akers in in, in this spot as well. Um, Cam Akers actually have two spots separated from uh, from Antonio Gibson. I just I just love I love Cam Akers that much. I'm going to take him every every place that I have the opportunity to. Um, you know, Cooper Cup I'm sure is in this range. Uh, yes, Adam Thielen I'm sure is in this range, and maybe on the low end we're talking about guys like Lockett being here, uh, Odell, Deontay Johnson maybe maybe. You know, if, if Fantasy Pros has Juju as the wide receiver, what was it, 23, mm-hmm. Adam? Yep. Then probably probably Juju would be in that range as well. I'm not, like I said, I'm not very high on Juju. So um, he won't be in this range for me. But if you're going to take Fantasy Pros ranks over mine, then you're probably looking at Juju in this, in this spot. You know what the crazy thing is, actually? If you want to be really nuts, uh, for Justin Jefferson – you know, so they have the best and the worst. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So the best for Justin Jefferson is seven. Seven. I mean, it's not as high as I have them, but well. And the yeah. No, it's higher than I have them. Yeah, it's higher than I have them. But uh, yeah, fifteen I think is low. And the worst. Oh, the worst is 63 huh who has him at 63 my get it has to be somebody who just didn't update their ranks that's what i'm thinking 63 that's an abomination you should be banned from talking about fantasy football if you've justin jefferson ranked 63 see we're talking about this draft strategy this is going to be really fun when we do our mock draft next week oh, oh yeah. my god yeah because I'm as we go on, I'm slowly talking myself out of the I feel like we're talking our our listeners out of the Travis Kelsey in the first round situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think we definitely are. Without yeah. even knowing it, without even trying, we are. Yeah. I think we're we're really having a big time moment where we're starting to realize that. Kelsey in the first is going to come. It's going to come at a massive, massive cost. And it's not just taking a tight end round one. It's who you're passing up to take that tight end 
in round one, which is why I think in, in you know, deeper, more competitive, hardcore style of leagues and maybe even industry leagues, I doubt we see Travis Kelsey going many spots in round one that are not, you know, less competitive family leagues, you know, things like that, where people just follow the ranks and if they see Travis Kelsey at nine overall, they'll just say, oh, okay, he's best guy available, click, done. Uh, but with people that know what they're doing, they'll understand that, you know, taking Kelsey at that spot probably is not the best thing in the world and the best idea given, you know, what we're talking about is you're probably going to have to go. If you, let's just say, Adam, you take, you take Kelsey in the first round. Okay. And then you go running back. Doesn't really matter who it is. Then the third round, would you take another running back? Would you take a, another running back in the third round just to shore up your running backs and say you have, you know, that core position locked up, but then you're light at receiver. And, you know, when you're going to be on the clock, if you're in a 10, a 10 man league and you're on the clock in the fourth round, depending on where you're picking, you know, you're looking at starting your wide receiver groups with guys like guys like Terry. I don't know. Not even Terry McLaurin. It's too, too late for McLaurin. He'll be gone by then. Like Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, uh, Deontay Johnson, maybe Lockett. He's and they're going to be your number one receiver. Uh, no, that's thanks. who you're picking in that sort of spot. Yeah. So Odell, it, like, yeah, like Odell is here. Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, DJ Chark. Yeah. See. Or or you take a receiver in the third round. You pick one out of. Keenan Allen, Godwin, uh, Galladay, McLaurin, you know, that kind of receiver, you know, I don't, I don't think Jefferson will be in that, in that spot, full disclosure, but if he's there, you know, then by all means, you'll, you'll have Jefferson available, you know, Cooper as well. You know, if you want to take one of those guys, then you're picking a running back in the fourth round, looking at more of Cam Akers, Dobbins, Monk, you know, I, you know, wow, wait a minute. I like that a lot. You know, the more I'm talking about this, Adam, the more I actually like that is you take Kelsey back end of the first, then take a running back there, depending on who's there. You can get Jonathan Taylor there. That's outstanding. You then wait until the third, and you're looking at maybe if you can get an Amari Cooper there, that's fine. You can get Justin Jefferson there. It's a home run. But then in coming back in the fourth, you take a Cam Akers and you have Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Amari Cooper, Travis Kelsey. That's not bad. No, it really isn't. That's not bad. I think we've just talked ourselves back into it. Dad, but this is the debate. This is this the is... debate that we're going to be having this entire offseason is what the hell do we do? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see it's different it's a bit different but it's kind of like last year when everyone was like well what are you gonna do with Clyde Edwards Hilaire are you gonna take him in the first round I think right-minded people did not no exactly but you want to see it's it would be interesting interesting to see how many people kind of like take the plunge and pick Travis Kelsey in the first round and I think our mock draft is going to be really fucking fun. If this is what we're do- if this is the kind of discussion that we're having, and there isn't even a draft in front of us, then I think that the mock draft is going to be really exciting. 
yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see what this kind of team would look like. Because if you're telling me I could start, because I, I think if you get those two running backs before round four, you're kind of good. And you can just build your team with, with receivers. So if you go further than that and you say you're taking flyers on guys like T. Higgins, if you're starting, if you have a receiving core of Amari Cooper, T. Higgins, and maybe you take an Odell, or maybe you have the opportunity to take a Jarvis Landry or someone like that, that's not awful. Or you even take Jer- Jerry Judy. Yeah, if you believe Claypool or Corey Davis. Sutton. Cortland Sutton, if you believe in that in that bounce back. Yep. That you know, Adam, I really don't mind that. And it's kind of scary that I'm saying that. Because you Especially know me. Right I, now. I'm I'm Mr. Conservative when it comes to fantasy football. Yes. And I really don't mind that at all that is oh wow that is a fascinating fascinating debate and we'll have to build a team we'll have to build this team and we'll have to take a look and see who we can possibly get yep and that that should be very exciting yeah and that'll be that'll hopefully be very helpful to people that are listening to this and deciding whether or not they want to go and take travis kelsey in the first round yep and I mean, not just uh, don't just listen to us because you you, you should have to, you should take the plunge yourself. Also. Well, you should listen to us. No, if, I'm just not just. Listen, yeah, if you're gonna listen, if you're gonna listen to anybody other than yourself, make it just us. Yes, but listen to yourself first and foremost. That's what I'm saying. I'm not like about to plug any competitors. I'm like I'm just saying like it's the, not don't just listen to us. Also. <laughs> He would lose his, his rights as radio professional. How long have you been holding that one in? Um, about 65-ish minutes. Okay. Radio professional with multiple degrees. Subscribe well, to the AP and it's part of the 1%. It was fun while it lasted. You could use a bird buck. Nope. Well, you already did it, so it's not can't can't undo it. You could use a bird buck. I'm not doing that. Oh, he's saving his bird bucks now. You've not earned a bird buck this episode, so you are stuck on one bird buck. I thought I had two. No, because I took one away because you didn't know the koala facts. I told you. I told you that the biggest threat to the koalas were <laughs> dogs, owls, and chlamydia. <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> I know. I know, but you still lost your point because you didn't know that in advance. I thought because I, you were I, supposed to be the king of random facts. I thought you gave I thought you gave back because because I went to the trouble of looking it up and then made and then made you laugh hysterically. After well, saying, I, I I think I eventually did give it back, but then you ended up using one. So you're still at you're at one. Okay. I guess. Yeah, you're at one bird buck. Anyhow. So you want to hear my uh, my top 12? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Would you like me to start from one or would you like me to start at 12? I think you should start from 12. More suspense that way. Okay. Number 12. From the Washington football team, Terry McLaurin. Okay. Number 11. From the Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson. 
wide receiver 10 for the Chargers, Los Angeles. Allen Keenan. Yes. Keenan Allen. Allen, Keenan. Allen, Keenan. Uh, number nine, Tennessee Titans. Mr. Brown, comma, A, period, J, period. Arthur Juan Brown. Arthur Juan Brown, yes. Sir, Arthur Juan Brown. Number eight from the Atlanta Falcons, Ridley, comma, Calvin. Calvin Ridley. Yes. Number seven from the Seattle Seahawks, Metcalf, comma, D, period, K, period. DK I, don't know what that's, I don't know what that stands for. Uh, it's uh, I, I we I look this up all the time, and I should know because DK is my kid. Decalin's a carious. I think there are more. Le- I think you're missing some letters. Well, Decalin, it's D E K. That's where oh. the DK comes from. Gotcha. And Zacharias is his middle name. So it's Decalin is where you get the DK from. Gotcha. The more you know. The more you know. Number six from the Minnesota Vikings. Excuse me. From the Minnesota Vikings. That was his old team. From the Buffalo Bills. I'm going with Diggs, Stefan. Stefan Marshawn Diggs. I'm on a, I'm on a full name basis with these guys. Great people. Do you know anybody else's middle name? Um, I think I know. I think I know the next guy's middle name. I think I have to go into the uh, into the the memory bank, but I think I'm right. And if I'm not, then I'll feel terrible because at number five, formerly of the Chicago Bears, it is Ro- Robinson, comma Allen, Allen Bernard Robinson, the second, the second, correct. I thought you were going to say he's a member of the free agent football team. The free agent football team. Uh, Did you hear uh, that apparently Allen Robinson does find the Jets very intriguing? Have I heard? Mr. Birdsall, who do you think you're talking to? I forgot. I was was talking to Rich Samini over here. I... I was about to lie and say I have the pulse. I have my finger on the pulse of all things Jets, but I don't. But <laughs> I <laughs> number three for the New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas. I don't know his middle name. I I apologize. Number three for the Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Rashawn Hopkins. I do know his middle name. Don't ask me how, but I do. Number two for the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill does not have a middle name, which I'm sure is going to bring a tear to Adam's eye since he is loving all of these middle names being used. And yep. number one for the Green Bay Packers, I am going for Devontae Lavelle Adams. What's your middle name? Dominic. You one? Dominic? Mm-hmm. Cool. Edward Mine's Dominic Birdsall Jr. Adam Forrest Caster. Forrest? The first, I guess. Forrest? Yeah. Run, Forrest, run! I've never heard that. Never heard that. Never heard it. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 It's sarcasm. It's sarcasm. It's sarcasm. I was about to fire you on the spot. It's sarcasm. Every single, every single solitary time that I tell people that what my middle name is, 
I have that exact same line. Do you think I don't know? I've seen the movie. It's, it's phenomenal. But thank God. I thought you were, I thought you were serious. I was, I was about to blow a gasket. No, Forrest Gump's great. Forrest Gump is a classic, classic film. Why are you such a bitch, Jenna? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you such a bitch, Jenna? Only that was a line in the movie because Jen, Jenny was terrible. Jenny was the villain of Forrest Gump. Facts. Facts. Was not Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Anyway, I have a few questions. Yes. Um, I'm sp- so no Kenny Galladay? Nope. No Kenny Galladay. Do not have Kenny Galladay in my top 15. No Chris Godwin. No Amari Cooper. No Mike Evans. No Robert. Mike Evans, I do have in my top 15, um, but did not crack this. Chris Godwin is not in my top 15. Amari Cooper just misses my top 15. Just missed it. He's actually what my wide receiver 16, one spot behind Adam Thielen, who's my wide receiver 15. You know, the interesting thing is I'm not even surprised at a lot of your rankings just because I've known you for so long and I know how you how you operate. So I'm I'm just not shocked. Well, please tell me how I operate. I'll let you know if you're correct. Well, I know that you're very high on Alan Robinson. Of course, he's a king. Of course, he's he's great, phenomenal. What a guy! Um, Love him. Future member of the Jets, Ring of Honor. Please do not sign him. I will actually murder you. That is my guy. Stay the fuck away. And I know that you're, you know, you're high on all things Buffalo ever since 2018. How could anybody not be high on Buffalo? Josh Allen is a king. Yep. That is my guy. Fucking threw a football at a guy's head. What's the problem? He didn't know where he was. He was dazed it, and confused by the hit he had just taken. It definitely looked like he didn't know where he was. It was, it was if anything, it was a disgraceful hit. Honestly, it looked pretty clean to me. It was disgraceful. He made unnecessary contact with Josh Allen. That is a fine punishable by death. Yeah, that was just weird. Disgraceful. I mean, Josh Allen, said, Josh Allen said it himself. He's like, I'm really not happy with how the game ended. And he let his emotions get the better of him. I don't think it was him. I think it was more just the rest of his team. Well, I mean, he's... And, and Not to would, sound like a five-year-old, but he he kind of started it. Then you had Tyreek Hill just proving that he is a petulant child, to put it mildly, trying to get into a fight three minutes with the game almost over. Buddy, you're going to the freaking Super Bowl. What, you want to be suspended for the Super Bowl, you dumbass? Yeah, no, it's not a good idea. Tyreek Hill confirmed. Not the brightest bulb in the circuit or the sharpest tool in the shed. No. Um, And then... But very good at football. But yes. very good at football. And the interesting thing is that what's your th- thinking on DK Metcalf? I mean, Fantasy Pros has him at six. Mm-hmm. You ha- you had him around that area. Seven. Seven, yeah. So it's one of those deals where, I mean, people were having DK Metcalf as like their wide receiver three or four after – Adams, Hill, and Hopkins. Well, here's the thing. Is I look at the guys that I have ranked above DK. 
it's Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams. All of these guys, for the most part, are the guys by themselves in their offense, right? Mm-hmm. With the only exception to that being Tyreek Hill, where Tyreek Hill is in such a pass-heavy offense, on such, which is a great offense, the best offense in football, arguably, where it doesn't matter if he's splitting time with Travis Kelsey. We saw it during the game yesterday where the Chiefs are up nine and they're still looking to absolutely pump Buffalo. So, and that just, that just wasn't one game. That's been this way the entire year is that the Chiefs are just out for blood. And Tyreek Hill is the kind of player that can turn short slants into 71-yard gains also. Exactly right. Exactly right. So it's more of it's more understanding, you know, what goes with Tyreek Hill, understanding the ebbs and flows that go with a player like him. Um, but I think when it goes back to DK Metcalf, is I don't necessarily love the offense that he's in because I I respect Russell Wilson enough, but to say to me that, you know, I, I, I'm in love with, with Russell, it's a little hard for me to say that. But then you add in that Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. You throw in Tyler Lockett, who's going to be there next year. You don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. As of yet, if it's Adam Gaze, it might be even worse. Oh, my and God. That would be so funny. I would, I would cry. I would actually, I would actually cry. So if you're asking me, you know, where, where I think DK charts out, you know, is it possible that I have him and Allen Robinson's rank completely flipped around? Yeah, it, it is entirely possible. And we could talk about Allen Robinson being, you know, the seventh receiver next year now and DK Metcalf being the fifth receiver. I don't expect DK Metcalf is going to be the guy that people are going to be picking. Seventh, I would expect DK Metcalf probably is going to be the fourth or the fifth receiver off the board, depending on how people feel about Michael Thomas. Uh, maybe they like DK Metcalf over DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe they do. Um, so, you know, I think this is going to be something that we're going to have to monitor pretty closely over the offseason to determine, you know, where exactly DK Metcalf is, uh, is, is going to go. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely that's, that's the part of fantasy that people don't think about as much as that when you have the, the tiebreaker for, for players is things that are out of their control, the offense, or I mean, well, the offense, the coaching staff, um, the quarterback, yeah. you know, all of that is the, those are the deciding factors between, for sure. uh, especially somebody like DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf, where the such situations are so kind of similar where you have, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins obviously is the number one guy, but he has a number two in Christian Kirk that is coming right up on his heels, who is very good in his own right. And so, yeah, that's kind of, you got to think about that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think it also comes down to, uh, to need as well, where if you're thinking about maybe doubling up on receiver, I probably would not be pairing DK Metcalf with DeAndre Hopkins because those are two guys that'll be slating up against Jalen Ramsey twice this year, this upcoming year. So 
if you want to have four matchups, a, a quarter of your schedule, 25% of your matchups, you're going to have a receiver facing DK Metcalf, or excuse Jalen me, facing Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I, I do so at your own peril. Yeah. I mean, and we saw that uh, DK Metcalf just cannot hang with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, that's not true. He, 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 he did it pretty well in the, in the playoff game. Yeah. DK Metcalf had the best day out of any receiver this year that went up against Jalen Ramsey. It's not that, you know, DK Metcalf can't do it. Nobody can. It's hard. But even with DK putting up five for 60 something and a touchdown, that's still pretty good for any receiver that's gone up against Jalen this year. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be too harsh on, uh, on DK to say that, you know, he can't hang with with Jalen because not many guys can. No, well, it's a couple. It's more of a compliment to Jalen Ramsey than anything. Yep. Correct. I mean, unless you're Amari Cooper, because Amari Cooper is just one of the best receivers in the league. Yep. Well, also, it's kind of it's like saying the Bucks getting to the Super Bowl is just as much a compliment to Tom Brady as much of an indictment as it is of Jamin of Jameis Winston. True. True. Fair point. Because this is like almost, almost, almost the same team as last year. Um. Yes. Yes. In terms take, of, in yeah. terms of contributing pieces that have made a substantial difference. Obviously, yes, you've gone from Jameis Winston to the greatest quarterback of all time. But in terms of legitimate pieces that have come in, it's basically the same team. You're 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 correct in your assessment there, Mister Gaster. Yep. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of the Fantasy Show, as well as the Basement Talk Podcast, the Quizvitational, and the Basement Talk Podcast Debate. And you can find all of those on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and now Google Podcasts. Later this week, we will be doing our show on tight ends, which should be considerably shorter, considering how the position of tight end is heading into 2021. But I think most of our discussion is probably going to be surrounded or surrounding one particular tight end heading into our mock draft next week. And so that is going to be pretty exciting. For my co-host, Ed Birdsell, I am Adam Castor, and we'll talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show.